again. This isn't some marketing ploy. It's not like we get C3, C3 church points for having more groups. I don't think, Naomi, I'm just checking. I don't think we get points for that or they don't rejoice, reduce our levies or anything. Are you sure? No, they don't. Okay, well, we don't need to do it then. No, we do. And the reason be is because what happens in groups? You make friends. That's it. I, I want everybody in this church to have friends, people that are going to stand beside them one, to enjoy life with, but also just to be there in a moment where possibly you just need someone to put an arm around you and say, hey, I'm with you. Let me pray with you. Let me stand with you. And so uh, be part of a group. Be part of being a friend to somebody. Does that sound good? So do that. That's one thing I want to let you know. Oh, I'm excited about this one. This is a group that happens. We're looking at doing this every term, and uh, it's called Discover You. Where's the ones that were part of the pilot course this year? Have a look around because I want you to go talk to these people. Um, some geniuses have put this homegrown course together. Isn't that right, ladies? Um, it's true. And uh, the, these lovely, uh, come on, Rachel Briggs, Susie Santa, come on. And uh, or is it Mel Malcolm as well? I didn't see her here, but uh, and Tom. And, and I love this course. It's homegrown and it is designed to help you to discover who you are what your passions are, what your personality is, what, how you're wired, and it's designed to try to help you discover what that is so that you can live your life. And I want everybody to do it. I, I feel that passionate about it. I asked them to build this course. I didn't want to take another one on. I wanted something that is completely C3 people and what we're committed to seeing people connected to their purpose. So please do it. 27th of February, go and see the ladies um, and get involved in that. It's only, what is it, four or five weeks? Four weeks, that's it. My gosh, church courses are usually much longer. I like it already, much better. You can do everything in four weeks, I reckon, just about. Most diets only go for four weeks, don't they? At least we give up after four weeks, something like that. So uh, there you go, four weeks, uh, which is going to be good. So we're starting a new series today called Human. Human. I thought about actually calling our church C3 Human, but then I went with people. I think I made a good choice. But either way, it's the same thing, right? You and I are human. Who's not human in here? If you're not, I'd love to talk to you. I'm ready to meet an extraterrestrial kind of being uh, if they're around. But I think everyone's human here. There are a few plants in the building, but pretty much human. And, um, and so I want to I speak into this because we're made up, uh, us as humans, we're all made up of four elements, the soul, body, mind, and spirit. Uh, and so I kind of want to speak into that over the next few weeks. And in the mornings, we're kind of going to preach and share some good revelations. And we've got a, I've put on the experts, the homegrown experts, to kind of speak into each area that, that have a particular strength or focus in. But then the nights, we're going to get all practical. So tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about your soul and how to manage your own soul. Who, who likes to manage their own souls? Some of you go, that's so weird. It's so weird. I'm going to explain it tonight. Uh, and then we're going to do some Q&A. So next week when we're at camp in the evening, we have Dr. Rachel Briggs. We have uh, psychologist Lynn Aniwell. And we have Dr. Zach McPherson. And they're going to be talking about your mind. Does that sound good? They're going to be delving in. We're going to use you and bring you up the front and interrogate you and figure out what's going on in your mind. We won't do that. We were we going to do that? We were going to do that. All right, scratch it. Bad idea. We won't do that anymore by the posture of everyone saying, that's freaky. We won't do it. 
But we, we're going to open up and have a bit of a panel. We're going to open up for questions to talk about your mind. Who knows that God wants your mind to be sound? He, he said that he desires that we would have a sound mind. But I, I, feel, I find this is quite challenging with the world kind of losing their mind. Has anyone noticed that? Like you kind of get, can get caught up in all the hysteria of today and kind of your mind can become a little frazzled. Or is it just me? Just me. Thank you very much. So I'm going to come next week. And listen to the the legends. Uh, So we've got a couple of panels over the next few weeks that are going to kind of answer some questions and speak into areas. Uh, We've got Damien, uh, who's going to be talking about the body with Pastor Rachel. And I'm going to invite someone else as well to talk about getting your body in order, right? Um, So uh, that'd be good. Very good. Who thinks that sounds all right? Yeah? So let's talk about today our soul. Isn't it weird? What is your soul? Like, if you look at an anatomy kind of picture, I've never seen where your soul lives. True? I actually don't know where it is, but I know that it's in me. And the Bible talks about our soul, and so I want to talk into it today, and uh, I'm hoping this is going to be helpful, yeah? I want to turn to Matthew 22, and uh, we haven't quite worked out scriptures yet, have we? So you're going to have to open up your phone um, and don't check Instagram, that can wait at least for 40 minutes because there's someone very important speaking right now. Um, or you can open up your paper Bible, which uh, I think is even better. But uh, 37, Matthew 22, 37, the context of this passage is uh, Jesus is getting interrogated again by some religious leaders and they're tr- trying to kind of get right to the crux of, of, of things and they're asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? You've got to remember the Jews live by commandments, by law. That was their way of life. It was everything to them. It was the most precious thing. And so they're like, what do you think, Jesus, is the most important thing? And they're trying to, they're trying to figure out if he actually knows or what his thoughts are. And so he responds this. So verse 36 actually says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And I'm going to read verse 38 and 39 as well. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And, and so he, he responds really, really clearly and says, here's one, but here's two. And they're both really close. First, love God, give your entire being to him, and then give yourself to others. Isn't that beautiful? So the first one they'd heard about. The second one kind of encapsulates all the other parts of the law and says, you know, it's about people. Isn't that good? Like our church, people. Aren't I clever? It's very good. I know you know this. I know you know this. So he said the first thing is to love God with all of your being. Uh, Now, if you've been in church for a little while, who's heard that your soul needs saving? Two of us. I must have been preaching good because I don't know. I obviously have to nail this subject. But I I heard it a lot growing up. Like, you've got to get your soul saved, man. Right? If you go to evangelistic rally or something, you got to get your soul saved. And everybody's firstly going, well, what's your soul? Sure, let's get it saved. <laughs> you know? But it's kind of a weird thing. How do you get your soul saved? And um, I do believe in it. Okay, that's the first thing I want to say. I do believe in your soul being saved. Peter, one of the uh, Jesus' closest disciples, he spoke into this in 1 Peter 1, 3. I want to read from it. 
It says this, Blessed be the Lord, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. I love how he breaks down the, the journey of salvation and our, our souls being saved. But he says, according to his great mercy, which we all need, which has caused us to be born again to a living hope, that's what we receive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There was a great message on that last week. From the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith. That's how we engage with all of those things. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. This is where the happiness begins. Though now, not for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Now it gets into what life looks like. So you find God, but hey, trouble comes. Still, still, right? True. So various troubles come so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that it perishes through, though it is tested by fire, may be found a result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. First commandment. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of faith, the salvation of your souls. There you go. I mean, you've got to read that about 10 times like I did just to make sense of that. But there is so much in that. It explains the process of salvation, the, the, the process of life that we walk through and, and the journey of actually going from glory to glory, becoming more like Christ and getting our souls saved. So there you go. It's true. It's in the Bible. You've got to get your soul saved. But what does that mean? Firstly, in the original language, uh, soul, okay, is, is this. The word for soul is paseko. By definition, it is this, this, the seat of affection and will. Have you got that? It's actually where the word uh, psyche came from, our English word psyche or psychology. Isn't that fascinating? So that's when we're talking about soul, there's, there's, psychology, there's a psyche attached to it, and it's actually our distinct identity, our unique personhood, our personality. Yeah? Beautiful picture. For me, I'm going to break it down. Sim simple, simple, simple. Okay? It's where we feel and desire. It's where we create. And it is. It's the most unique but beautiful part of us. Yeah, our soul. It's what, it's what makes our, our identity completely beautiful and unique. It's who we are. And, and we go on the journey of discovering who that is. But it is the most beautiful part of who we are. Right? So it's, it's how we feel. And it's different to how you think sometimes. Yeah? Lynn will nail this next week. But who's ever kind of listened to a piece of music or something? Like, let, let's go just music, like an orchestra or something. And you listen to it, and you don't know the notes, or you don't know what's behind it. You know, don't know why it was written, but for some reason it moves you. Right? It moves you. I remember one particular time. We've been to many concerts. We love going to concerts. But we went to Bon Iver at the Opera House. Amazing. And, with it, and if you've ever listened to Bon Iver, you can't understand a word he's saying. In fact, even if you read the lyrics, you don't know what he's saying. Yeah? But he, he's playing these songs, and we feel all this emotion rising up inside of us. 
my, my whole person, I have a physical response to what I'm hearing in my ears where my, I mean, my feelings, my emotions are engaged. Now, I'm not able to compute, right, why, but I'm feeling something. That's your soul. That's the part of you that's actually engaging with something, and it's really, really powerful. In fact, it's needed, that we need our souls, yes? And so while they need to be saved, I want you to hear this. Write this down. Your soul is not bad. It's not evil. It's not corrupt. Can you hear that? Even though it needs saving, it's not broken, right? It's not broken. In fact, God actually desires, and I want you to hear this so strongly today, because I feel like this has been spoken about in Christendom in, the, in a way that irritates me, and it is old. It is gone. It is dead. Your soul is not evil. It's not bad. God actually likes it. In fact, he placed that part of you in you for a reason. He wants you to feel deeply. In fact, I love the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the feeler. <laughs> Even in the Godhead, there's a particular personality that is all about the feel. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. He loves to feel. He feels with such deep groanings that we can't even understand or perceive or conceive what he's feeling. But he feels so deeply. God's into feeling. He's into your desires. And he wants it actually to come in and out and through you. Some of you still aren't convinced. You're like, no, but my soul needs saving. It needs saving. So your soul is where you, or where, where you feel. But here's the other thing. It's also where you store up your emotion. And it's also a filter, right? Now, again, you, your soul feels, but it also stores what it feels. So when you go through a particular circumstance or moment, good or bad, you'll feel something and you'll place in your soul those emotions and they'll remain there. And if they're bad, they'll remain there and remain bad and do bad things. If it's good, it'll bring life and flow out of you, yeah? And out of it, a filter happens. So, so out of your soul, who knows that sometimes you respond to a particular situation before your mind actually sorts out what it needs to do about it. Have you been in that kind of moment where your body, you, you suddenly have an outward expression to something, like someone pulling it over in front of you on the road, and you have this emotional response that goes, ah, and you might say bad words, some of you, not everyone. Some people just, you know, and then do the bird down here. Where feeling it, it's real. That's okay. I think. I'll check later. I'll talk to God about it. Or you can. Um, but you feel something sometimes, and it's okay. You want to tell yourself, bad person for feeling, but I want to tell you, not bad person for feeling. Are you hearing that? This is my first point right now. And I want to explain why. Let's go back to the beginning of humanity's existence. Does this sound good? Now, let's go to, yeah, Genesis... Chapter 3, verse 1. 
this is the fall of humanity, right? This is where Satan comes into the garden and he's like, he's on mission. And he wants to try to get at the seed of man and he wants to destroy it. He's on mission. And he has this engagement with Adam and Eve that is really profound. Let's read what happens. Verse 1, reading from the uh, English Standard Version, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, you may, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. I like this. There's some cognitive thought here. Yeah? Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Facts. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. I like this. I can hear his tone changing. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, saw with her eyes, good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. This is fascinating. This moment is before, okay, something's about to happen that is going to change everything for all of us for all time. But what we have here is Adam and Eve, who are perfect at this point, feeling, desiring, having an emotional response to words that are spoken and they're not broken. They're sinless at this point, they're perfect. Do you hear that? And it says he so quickly, so clearly, it was delight to her eyes and she desired. She desired. She was drawn by the words of the enemy, the beauty, the mystery of possibility, and her emotions respond. Her soul is feeling. Now, I, I, I kind of wish she did go to her mind and go, let me reason this out. Pros and cons. Eat the fruit. Billions of people forevermore will struggle with sin, sickness, and death. Maybe I shouldn't do this. Or it could taste good. And a little bit of wisdom, knowledge of good and evil could be good. No. <laughs> she didn't write a thesis on it and consult with the, the, the thinkers of the day, the other animals. That's about it. And... Uh, and go, what is your reasoning with this? Let's talk about this. Let's engage our minds. No, she responds emotionally with desire to something that is placed before her. And you know what I find fascinating about this is God created her like this. Hang on a second. God has created you and I to feel, to have desires and wants, and they're not bad. Are you getting this? Some of you are looking like stun mullets. Your soul still needs saving. Just chill out, okay? We'll get there. We'll get there. This is just first point. This is preamble, and then it's all right. We're all going to walk out of here saved, I'm pretty sure, some of us at least. Um, so you were meant to laugh. Don't freak out. 
So God designed us to actually respond with emotion and feeling. This doesn't make us corrupt or evil or bad. For too long, I'm saying this strongly now, for too long, Christians have been told, don't feel. Don't allow your emotions to engage because it might just lead to sin and sin is bad and sin will end up leaving you in a place away from God and you'll be eternally destroyed. Oh, done with. Done with. You have been designed to feel, to express, to create, to love with your soul. Your soul inside of you is actually the beauty and the essence of who you are and who God's created you. It is a color expression that no one has ever felt or seen by you or by others. No one has ever, ever seen or felt before. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. (laughs) I like the other response in Christendom. Our response to our feelings, our emotions is, if I just get more spiritual, if I engage the good part of me, my spirit, then the badness will shut up. (laughs) I'll just get more spiritual. I'll turn off the television. I won't get on the internet. I won't go outside (laughs) or go to a pub or a mall where there's lots of sinners. Everyone's wearing far too less clothing these days. Even inside. And we try to we try to stop the bad and we're gonna engage our spirit. I'm gonna be so holy that badness won't get me. <laughs> you know what I've observed with this is that people that take on that a particular approach just become quite judgmental. And assess everybody out in the world as being bad. They become these observers, these judges, these ones that... And what did the religious rulers say? Look, Jesus, we want to hold on to the law here. So tell us what the greatest commandment, because it keeps us in life. It stops us from engaging with Gentiles and all the sinners you seem to hang out with. It's offending us. So what is the greatest commandment? Yes, yes, love God, yes. We've heard that before. Now love others. Hang on a second. Some of the others are broken. They're engaging with their soulish desires. Jesus, he doesn't qualify it. Love Christian neighbors. Does he? He doesn't. Your neighbors. Your fellow human beings. If I just strengthen my spirit, <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop the Satan talking to me. You know that that little Satan and the the angel. I'll extinguish him just by becoming more holy, and that'll work, right? Jesus, let's look at Jesus. Mark fourteen. Turn there. Got Jesus, the Son of God. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah? 
verse 32. This is the moment where Jesus is in the garden and he's about to go to the cross. He's about to pay for all of our sins and put it, he's going to extinguish, he's going to end it all. And he has this conversation. He takes the disciples and he has a conversation with his father and he reveals something here. He shows his humanity. Read from verse 32, it says, and, we, and they went to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said, listen to this, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little while, a little further, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, the deepest words he can speak to a father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not that I, my will, but what your will be done. And he came and found them sleeping, the disciples, and said to them, Peter, Simon, you're asleep. Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may enter in, not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The Passion Translation says, verse 34, like this. And he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed with anguish and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. This is Jesus Christ, God's son, perfect showing here that he's having an emotional response to a very real reality that's about to become before him and he's showing his humanity, something that we engage with every day and he's actually allowing himself to feel it. He goes back to the disciples and says, hey, I'm feeling this way. Then he goes back and he feels some more. He's distressed. I like this as Christians. We even tell ourselves, I'm going to shut off my emotions. If I shut off the bad thoughts... And the deep, dark things that are going on me, then I'll be okay. If I just shut them down. But here Jesus is engaging with it. He's saying to his father, I'm feeling these things. There's something in me that is wrestling with this and I'm submitting it to you. And he doesn't go to a stepfather and he doesn't go to sin. Don't freak out. He don't do that. He's just saying, I'm feeling this way. And he's conversing with his father and saying, this is real for me. He lands in a good place. He says, thy will be done. I, I'm going to let go of what my feelings want to lead me towards. But he, the point is, he's feeling. His soul is feeling here. Yeah? 36, Passion Translation. He prayed, Abba, my father, all things are possible for you. Please don't allow me to drink this cup of suffering. Yet what I want is not important, for I only desire... He's got two emotions happening here. Who's ever had two emotions in one moment? <laughs> I desire to fulfill your plan for me. I love this irony. Sin came into the world through an emotional response. Sin was defeated. Death was defeated with an emotional response. Out of desire. The most powerful Desirable. You know what that is? Love. Love. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Not because he had to. 
he was willing to. He desired that greater than the other feelings that he had that were just as real. And he said, I'm going to do it because of love. Because of love. Jesus didn't weigh up the pros and cons. (laughs) He went with his emotional response in loving obedience. This is an emotional choice towards humanity. You know what my prayer and vision for us is that you would actually, today, it's, it's that you would engage with your soul and not turn it off, not shut it down, not stop it speaking, but engage with the beauty and color that is within you and let it flow out of you. That's God's desire, is that the beauty, the color inside of you would flow out. If you read our vision statement, it's on the Vision Builders booklet there, that is our desire. Eric and our desire is that the creativity and beauty that is within you would flow out of here. We're just talking here Sunday to psych you up for Monday to Saturday. You understand that? Every single week, we're just trying to psych you up for the week ahead because the world needs you. It needs your color. It needs your expression. It needs your words. It needs your feeling. Still not convinced. 3 John 1, 2. John's, John writes this. This is the guy that was closest to Jesus. He knew him, felt him, engaged with him more than anyone else. He, he got so close. And he, years, decades later, he writes to a dear friend and he says this. Listen to the words here. Beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and that you continually enjoy good health just as you listen to this. Your soul is prospering. Your soul is prospering. The challenge we have today is that we're living, living from the outside in, not the inside out. That's the trouble. The reason why our soul isn't functioning in the right way is because we're observing what everyone is doing and living And looking at that and going, well, my emotional response is, and then we compute it and we wind it all up and then our soul engages with it and we make it our truth. We're actually meant to live in the opposite way. Our soul is meant to engage with our living father, our our creator, so that there might be prosperity that takes place, life-flowing, and flowing out of you. How are you going to love your neighbor? Not through hating them. Not by having an emotional response that says they're all bad, the world's stuffed. It's just getting darker and bleaker and more horrible. That is not going to save humanity. You've got to hear what, what's in your soul, what God's speaking into it. And he's saying, you know what? Feel, but feel what I'm feeling. Jesus felt, but he felt. He desired that love would be transmitted to all of humanity. See, we we observe the actions and behaviors of others and either conform to them and their views and opinions or we judge and condemn them. True? We go one way or the other. And we try to 
control others and their behavior rather than working on our own, our own soul. The saddest thing I believe is that we're taking our lives in greater numbers more than ever before due to our observation, our comparison and our judgment of others rather than the observing of our own soul. We respond to what's being heard and what's being seen with emotion and we speak out of that rather than with emotion engaging with the, the, the creator and the sustainer of life, the one that is always wanting to prosper you and see you filled with life and transmitting life and love. Rather than doing that, we're listening to the voices and allowing ourselves to take that on. We become hopeless because our eyes observe and our actions try to control circumstances and people that are not in our control. They're not in your control. They're not in your control. Do you hear that? The only thing that you have within control, with your own control to manage is your own soul, your own mind, your own flesh, your own spirit. No amount of effort to control or cast judgment will ever change circumstance. It'll only cause death and destruction, hopelessness, comparison, hatred, judgment. That's what destroys lives. But God desires that you would know and manage your own soul so that it prospers like watering a plant, like placing it in the light. Your soul can prosper. It can reveal color and creativity not seen or heard before if you disengage with the one that created you. Tonight, I want to speak practically into this. How, how do you do this? But understand this. There's a war over your soul. There's a war over it. Like at the beginning, there's still today. There's still today, there's a spiritual battle similar to what Eve experienced where the enemy of humanity is trying to capture your own soul. He, he works at your desires, your feelings and hopes that, that you would choose to love what is created rather than the creator. Today, more than ever, humanity is loving creation more than the creator. Do you see that taking place? Falling in love with vegetation <laughs> and idolizing it. Where God's chief love and desire is for humanity. What did Adam and Eve do? They, when we turn our love and affection away from Creator and what, love, what He loves most, we, we end up centering ourselves with something that He's. He's not desiring. He wants, he wants human beings to be in relationship with him. We end up blaming one another and clothing ourselves with created things and we become overcome with fear. Do you see this taking place today? We wrap ourselves in everything that has been spoken, creation, and we wrap ourselves in it. What did Adam and Eve do? They ran away and they wrapped themselves in creation. They hid and then they felt fear. They blamed one another. They condemned. They judged because they got themselves caught up in 
They got their soul intertwined with things that God's not much interested in as much as humanity. Back to Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven: Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. With your love, your desire. This is, this is where it comes, the saving of our soul. It's actually a surrender. It's a submission to the one that created you with desire to choose God, for him to be Lord God over your own soul. You can submit your soul to many things. Do you hear that? You can engage your emotions with all kinds of lies and mistruths and fear and hysteria. Or you can engage with him that your soul might prosper, that love might transform you and it would come flowing out of you, all of the beauty and color and creativity that it might come alive. You know why we want to protect our souls sometimes from God even? It's because we don't trust him with our desires. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Not to harm you. I desire that you would do immeasurably more than you could ever ask, feel, conjure up within you. The Lord is good. (laughs) Would you hear that today? He's good. And the desires that he's placed in you, they're beautiful. And yes, he he wants you to surrender them back to you because he wants to actually see that your soul might prosper in the most powerful and dynamic way. Your soul does need saving, but saving's not putting it to death setting it alight and if you would trust him enough just to say Lord with the desires that I have like Jesus said I'm feeling this way that I'm going to choose life because this decision will be life for me and life for others so I trust you and that's why he says love the Lord your God you've got to make Jesus Lord over your soul Submitted unto him that it might prosper. Can we close our eyes this morning? This is a really difficult thing. Let's be real. We we want to hold on to our our hopes, our dreams, our desires. We want we want to rule them. We want to control them. We want to say our will be done, but if you would trust the good Father, the Creator, the one that's made you as beautiful as you are, if you would trust Him, He would do much more than you could ever hope or imagine. There would be so much beauty in life flowing from you if you would just surrender.
right now, I know that there might be some people here that have never done that before. They've never actually submitted their soul to Jesus Christ. They've never actually said, I'm going to trust you with my life. And I can, I can feel him calling you right now and saying, would you? There's so much I have planned for you. Would you receive me? I want to bring to light so much in you that you would have never hoped or imagined. Would you do that? And I just want to ask that right now, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand if you'd like to do that, if you'd like to give your life to Him, your soul to Him. I just want you to raise your hand in a moment. And maybe you've wandered off. Maybe you've tried other things. Maybe you've held on to your own soul, but it's never too late to come back. You can just surrender it now. And so if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand if that's you. If you want to receive the love of Jesus Christ, if you want to receive your forgiveness, thank you over here. There you go, I see that hand as well. If you want to receive his love, his forgiveness, his life, just raise your hand. If you want to come back, raise your hand. Let us pray just for those that raise their hands right now. Father God, I thank you that you have created these people. You've designed them beautiful as they are with their feelings, with their expression. And the best is yet to come. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would fill them up with your love and your forgiveness. I just want you to right now just say simply say, Jesus Christ, I choose you. I give you my soul, all that I am trust you with my life. Amen. To everyone else, here's the challenge today, and this is real. This this could be a completely transformational day for you. You might have thought your, your feelings and expression are bad, but God loves them. In fact, he wants to do so much with them. He wants to use all of the beauty that's in you as, as, as like a masterpiece. You just got to hand over the paint and the paintbrushes and watch him paint. And so right now, we're going to close with worship. We're going to have the ministry team here. And if you know, if you've lived your life where you've actually been holding on to your own soul, it's mine. I want what I feel and what I desire. Just let let it go. Trust Him. And watch what happens. Watch what happens in 2020. Watch the beauty and colour. Watch love flowing in you and out of you and onto others. Watch it take place. Amen. Come on, why don't we stand and worship? If, If you would like some prayer for that, you can come forward. If you want prayer for anything else, our team are ready. It's a good day. Please come tonight. I'm going to talk practically. How do you... How do you hand your soul over? How do you manage it?